Good afternoon, boxing fans around the world. Back again on Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net with a our weekend of boxing updates here. Feel free to check us out. Once again, the site is combattalkradio.net. Leave us some comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on how we're doing, and we will get right into our weekend of boxing. All right, boxing folks, let's go ahead and go through our boxing that's happening this weekend. we got some pretty good fights on deck. At the top of this course, Shakur Stevenson fighting Consequiao. Consequiao, Robson Consequiao is fresh off his very close disputed loss against Oscar Valdez. Same Oscar Valdez that Shakur Stevenson absolutely schooled. This is 12 rounds of super featherweights on ESPN+. Plus. It's a top-ranked fight. Sky Sports, if you're in the UK. The big story of this fight is that it was supposed to be for a unification. So we had Shakur. He has two titles, had two titles. I believe WC, WBC and WBO. He lost him on the scales. He couldn't make the weight. Then did an interview, said, I can't make the weight anymore. My body won't do it. And the so that's the story is that he cannot... Stevenson, he's no longer a champion. He cannot be a champion. Even if he wins, he won't get the titles. If Conseco beats Stevenson somehow, he will then become the unified champion of those two. And so that's the story here. And a lot of people are not giving Conseco credit. He's a very good fighter. And they're looking at the fact that he lost as somehow in a measure that he's not a good fighter. This guy is a good fighter. He's a gold medalist, but he's a very damn good fighter. He really is. And it was disputed that he arguably should have beaten Oscar Valdez and had his hand raised. Regardless, Shakur Stevenson's defense is truly on another level. He's a very solid defensive fighter. And I give the lean and experience ever slightly to Shakur Stevenson in terms of number of rounds in the books. However, everything else pretty much, other than age, you know, like in terms of height, that's Consequiao. In terms of reach, that's Consequiao. Shakur is just simply younger. I say defensively more brilliant. I would argue faster. So that's kind of the play-in, is with him losing his titles on the scales, he wasn't able to make weight, will that affect Shakur in a negative way? The fact that he lost his titles, will that affect him psychologically? So it's kind of a, I say it's a toss-up personally. Also, again, I think just in terms of match, this is a very well-matched fight. In terms of win-loss records, in terms of the styles, I think it's a well-matched fight. I suspect, though, you're going to see Consequiao be giving Stevenson the best overall competition he's ever had. I don't see Consequiao winning, but I do see that he is going to give Shakur all he can handle. That's my guess. I don't expect to see, like we saw with Valdez, where Stevenson just completely dominated the guy. Some people, like NSB, NSB they said, oh, well, Valdez was trying to do angles. Do, do. I, that's not what I saw. I saw Valdez barely try, frankly, in my opinion. And it wasn't close, and he was embarrassing, in my opinion, anyway. Just like Jojo Diaz against Devin Haney, same thing, just didn't seem to show up and try. I suspect Consecchio is going to be coming and bringing it as hard as he can. I just think that Stevenson is going to be too much for him defensively, and Stevenson will get his hand raised after a 12-round decision. Of course, we've got Joseph Parker versus Joe Joyce at heavyweight action. This is kind of the big guy fight, of course. That's ESPN Plus as well, BT Sport in the UK. I... I haven't followed these guys, but I'm aware, obviously, of the two. Joe Joyce is the huge favorite in this. Parker is one of those that disappoints me every time he goes out there because it seems like he doesn't try to get guys out. His knockout ratio would tell you that he is, but that's at the lower, you know, like the C level. He doesn't seem to step up when it's the true top tier of the division. He doesn't show up when I think he should. Whereas with Joe Joyce, 
Joe Joyce is one that he'll try to get you out of there. He just doesn't always pull it off, but he's actually very good at, if he's, if he's able to clinch it, he'll get you out of there. Joe Joyce is much older than Parker, by far and away. I think that plays a factor. My gut leans towards, however, uh, Joe Joyce to win this because Parker, again, doesn't seem to want to show up when it's a big fight. I think it's a big fight. It shouldn't be a big fight because if on paper, just on paper, Parker should completely annihilate Joe Joyce. And that's not because of skills. The age gap is wide, ladies and gentlemen. It's wide. And then when you look at experience, arguably, Parker has had, what, three, four times the number of rounds. He's been in the game longer. He's had more experience. For whatever reason, though, he just doesn't show up at the top level. That's all. And so, again, I'm leaning towards Joe Joyce to win this, possibly even by stoppage. I don't know because, again, I don't follow him close, but I know enough about Joyce to know he's not going to let Parker impose his will in this fight. On the women's action on BT Sport in the UK and ESPN Plus at featherweight action, Amanda Serrano, she's making her return again. She's going to be fighting Sarah Mafode. Mafode, this I believe is it might be a unification fight. If not, then Mafode might be coming in with a lesser title, possibly. I, I'm not going to dig into this fight too deep. And the reason I'm not is because I don't, frankly, think this opponent, although Mafode has a good record, it feels like a soft touch. Like it feels like it's a, not a setup, but she's just, it's like she's presented to help make Serrano get back on recovery after Serrano's loss. Um, for Katie Taylor, which I frankly thought she should not have lost. In any event, I don't rate Mafoda, I guess is what I'm saying. So I don't think too much of the fight. That's I'm not going to spend too much time on that one. We do have some undercard fights on this one with some other people that I've never heard of. So they are stacked, but I would argue that the undercards frankly suck on the Mafoda and Serrano and uh, Parker and Joyce card. I, I don't think much of the undercard. If you're going to dial in with these, I think you're doing it for the main events. The last one I'll cover, Maxie Hughes fighting the returning Kid Galahad. This is in on DAZN, both in the United States and in the UK, if you want to check that out. I've, I've heard of Kid Galahad. I haven't followed him closely. Never heard of Maxie Hughes. So this is really more for international benefit, arguably, with the two fighters in, involved. You do have a, a women's fight on the undercard with Terry Harper making her return against Hannah Rankin. I'm, of course, aware of both of those. Let's start with the top one. Maxie Hughes and Kid Galahad. Maxie Hughes is the one that's perceived to be the odds-on, uh, I don't want to say, he's not a bum. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that he is presented as the top of the two of these, and I disagree with it. But he's being presented as he is kind of the star, quote-unquote, and I emphatically disagree. The reason he's being presented as the star is because if you look at matching records, Hughes has a much more let's say, quote-unquote, impressive record, even though he's had more losses by far. It's just presentation-wise, his last five, he's been on a win streak. He seems to have a, a new lease on life and what he's doing. He's not an old guy, but in my mind, I feel like he's inconsistent. So that's why I say I don't agree with presenting him as the top dude. He's inconsistent. He'll, he'll and the B levels and the C levels, he can easily get it done. Then he steps up and then something weird happens. Whereas Kid Galahad, was at one point presented as a top guy. Then he took two losses, including his very most recent fight. And then all of a sudden, he's kind of been pushed down in the rankings, mostly because of the fact in his last fight, he was stopped. And so then people felt like, well, geez, it was Kiko Martinez, by the way, completely stopped this guy. 
And so since Kiko Martinez stopped this guy, and I believe he wasn't even really, like, I believe it was just, wait a minute, Kiko Martinez? How could you get stopped by Kiko Martinez? Kiko Martinez wasn't a bum. Kiko Martinez was a decent fighter. Kiko Martinez was discredited because Kiko Martinez has a, has a not great record. Like it, but it's not like he's not a strong fighter. It's not like he's not a durable fighter. He is. But yes, Kiko Martinez's record is kind of not impressive. And in fact, I believe immediately after he got that stoppage, Kiko Martinez would go on to get stopped in his very next fight. So Kiko Martinez, I guess what I'm saying is that Kiko Martinez was perceived as a soft touch and arguably should not have been able to beat Kid Galahad, certainly not by stoppage. The thing people aren't understanding about Kiko Martinez, if I go back, and I look at all the times that Kiko Martinez took a loss. Let's name just a couple of them. Uh, Josh Warrington. Josh Warrington is a top fighter out of the UK. I, I can't hate on that loss, frankly. Uh, let's see. who's. I'm trying to think of who else the guy lost. Like, the losses were not... We're not talking like he lost to bombs and he lost... Da, da, da. He just lost a lot because he fights a lot. His record in terms of number of fights is high. And so, yes, his loss record is high because he fought a lot, whereas a lot of guys don't fight a lot. A lot. Let's. So, yeah, I've got a list here. Let's go through this because I want you to understand. Josh Warrington, top guy. Zelfa Barrett. Zelfa Barrett, at the time that Martinez fought Zelfa Barrett, this is at Wembley, lost unanimous. Okay, the guy only had one loss on record. Mr. Gary Russell Jr., top guy. And then Josh Warrington, so Josh Warrington, he lost twice, but it's still Josh Warrington, top guy. The first time he lost to Josh Warrington, Josh Warrington was undefeated, okay? Leo Santa Cruz, top guy at the time, certainly so. Scott Quigg, top guy at the time. Carl Frampton, top guy in the division at the freaking time, IBF champion at the time, and he lost to Carl Frampton twice. The other ones were early in his career. I don't credit those, but even those were arguably really good record people. Kiko Martinez has never lost to like a bum. He lost a lot because he fights a lot. The guy has like what, 50 some odd? Yeah, 56 fights. And in those, he lost 10. Yes, but he fought 56 freaking times. Most of these people that we're talking about here only have like 20, 30 fights under their belt. Why is that fair to punish him? And I understand the bias, but let's take Kid Galahad for an example. Kid Galahad's only fought 30 times. And in that, he lost only two of them. And one of them was to Kiko Martinez, who's only ever lost to the top of the division. I think just perception is being unfair to Kid Galahad. He had a bad night. It happens. Kiko Martinez stopped the guy. It happens. I don't think it's fair to judge him at right now. We need to see, and that's why I'm interested in this fight probably more than any of the rest of them, because we need to see where Kid Galahad really is. Hughes is actually the kind of fighter Kid Galahad should deal with reasonably easy. And I say that not just because of skill, but because of levels, there's levels to it. Kid Galahad's been in the game a little bit longer than Hughes. Kid Galahad has roughly about the same number of fights. Kid Galahad is the stronger fighter by far. So tells me Galahad should easily be able to deal with Hughes. It's a great get back fight. So we can see where he is. And if he gets, if he struggles with Hughes, even if he wins, but he struggles, then we can say, okay, maybe Galahad's on the slide. Maybe something happened, whatever. I'm just saying that I think a lot of people are coming down on Galahad and it's not fair because I'm the people that he lost to, it's like, come on, these are people that are quality fighters and we're already throwing the guy in the dirt just like we did with Peter Quillen, Kid Chocolate, way back in the days. That's all I got on the books right now. And then, of course, 
October 8th, which is the following where we got the next fights, not this weekend, but the next weekend after that, we've got a lot of fights stacked in October. We've got some fights that are allegedly going to be wrapped up for November. The big one, obviously, is going to be down the road. I'll talk about that in a second, but I want to cover a couple of ones that are upcoming. So we're talking the October 8th, not this weekend, not next weekend, but the weekend after that, October 8th. Of course, we've got the pointless fight. Chris Eubank Jr. facing Conor Ben, the children of legends, and the only reason the fight's happening is because of their dads and the feud their dads had. The problem is they didn't do this build correctly. Chris Eubank arguably sold the fight. Great, but they should have reenacted everything their dads did from the let's have some parliamentary receipt, the whole nine. They should have done it all so that you could attract those older fans who remember when that happened and then sell it that way. Instead, they just sold it like two kids who just feel like they want to fight. Sebastian Fundora fighting Carlos Ocampo. This is going to be a hell of a fight, ladies and gentlemen. Sebastian Fundora, if you don't recognize the name, this dude is tall as all get out. He's able to fight at 147 despite being taller than most everybody in the division. He's tall. He's tall and he's thin, but he's a dominant fighter, aggressive. He's He hits with pretty good bad intentions. Whereas Carlos Ocampo, if you don't know the name, his name is Kema. Carlos Ocampo's only loss, he's got 35 fights, he's only lost once, that was to Errol Spence, who stopped him using his own strategy, which is brutal body assault. Carlos Ocampo will beat the body like nobody else's business. And as a result, he's been stopping and knocking out everybody else in his path because Errol Spence, to date, is the only one to be able to deal with this guy. I love this fight because nobody's ever tried to attack Fundora's body before. And as thin as Fundora is, it should be very difficult to beat the body. It actually reminds me of prime Tommy Hearns fighting, I don't know, geez, Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Like somebody that is able to get to your body, even though you're tall and lanky and rangy. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see that fight again. That's October 8th. We're going to see that one. October 15th, the rematch, the pointless rematch. Devin the Dream Haney, the unified champion, is rematching George CM Punk Cambosis out there. I believe that's out in Australia again. That's on the 15th, October 15th. I say it's a pointless rematch because I don't think Cambosis is going to have any answers for Haney's style. Haney was trained by Floyd Mayweather. Cambosis was trained by Manny Pacquiao. That's what you saw, and I believe you're going to see it again. We also knew, we also learned or heard, anyway, that at some point, possibly sometime in November, we are finally going to see Errol the True Spence fighting Terrence Crawford to unify welterweight. If that fight gets announced, it's probably the largest fight in current boxing right now. And the reason I would be excited about that one is because we finally get to shut up one side or the other, right? Because I am an Errol Spence fan. I believe very highly in what I see of him. People have criticized Spence because he doesn't look flashy. He doesn't fight flashy. He fights like he fights like a, an intelligent brawler. Like he'll just walk you down, beat you down, and just keep on throwing. He just won't stop. And he walks through punches and the whole nine. And then he has, it's like you could tell he's having fun in the ring. Crawford, as opposed to this, tends to lose his temper, but he is a stylistically technical fighter. He'll go in there and he'll use his techniques to try to trap you or trick you or you know lure you into something. Or he'll just get pissed off, start holding and hitting, low blowing or whatever he's got to do to eke out a victory. So you have stylistic contrast. Sure. I just like to see the idea that one side or the other gets shut up finally. And we can solve the question, which is who's the best at welterweight? My hope is that NSB, if, and I said if, Somehow Spence is able to go out there and completely embarrass Terrence Crawford. It'll shut up NSB and all the people who kept saying that Crawford was pound for pound number one. 
if Crawford is able to beat Spence, I don't say it proves him number one. It proves him best in the welterweight division. You can't prove pound for pound number one because you still, I still wouldn't see that he could easily deal with Bavall or that he could easily deal with Inouye. I don't see that in Styles, and we would never really know. I would then say if he beats Spence, he's the number one in the welterweight, and he would have earned it at that point, but it took too long to get to that. Goes to age. Crawford is a little bit older. He's like 35 years old. By the time November rolls around, I think that's about true, so he's on a little bit on the older side. He's been dropped before. He's been hurt before, and by lesser fighters. Errol Spence, he's not going to allow you to rush, push him down, and he's not going to allow you to low blow him too much. He's not going to lie to get away with a lot of that because he already felt Sean Porter trying to do that and Porter got dropped for his troubles. So hopefully people will finally, we settle it. We have one winner. It is what it is. I don't want a rematch. Whoever wins it, unify the division. Go ahead and move up to 154. Go your separate ways. Let's get some new fights in there. Jermell Charlotte's still sitting on the belts there. So hopefully he vacates, goes somewhere else, 160, so that we can freshen up the 154 division because it's been stale for a long time. Get some of the new blood in 147 that's kind of sitting waiting in the wings, your boots of the world, your Blair Cobbs even of the world, and so on. Let's get them in the mix. Let's start creating a new crop and let 147 finally kind of settle a little bit because I think it's been too long since we had a unified champion in the division. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Combat Talk Radio, Masterpiece Boxing, found at combattalkradio.net. I want to thank you for listening today, whether you are a subscriber or not. I know you have choices, and I appreciate you for being here. Just to remind those that are new to the show, Combat Talk Radio records every Friday, so once a week in the Pacific time zone. And then Lifeblood of Boxing series, which is our coverage of the boxers I think are worth your time and give to the sport. That's once per month. It does not have a fixed schedule, but once a month I'll have a release until I run out of ones that I think are worth covering. For Lifeblood of Boxing. So those are our two programs. It is podcast only at this point. We want to hear from you. So combattalkradio.net at the bottom. Hit comments, feedback. Let us know how we're doing. If there's anything that you'd like to see us adjust or improve, we want to hear from you and we are open to that feedback. We also are open to starting up the YouTube again, but it seemed like that died off when Lomachenko took a loss and we don't know why. So if somebody knows why or they'd like to hear the YouTube coverage, let us know that as well in the comments. And we are open to doing it. We just need to make sure the fans are there. Right now they're on the podcast, not on the YouTube for whatever reason specific. We're open either way. Anyhow, that'll do it. And I will see you guys next week.